0: The shit show. (laughs) Yeah, that was a shit show.
1: All right, guys. So, we're welcoming to the shit show artist Drew Mazer. He was known predominantly as a 10 year veteran in the body modification and tattoo industry. Now, got a much longer bio, but I feel like we (laughs) got to start there because, yeah, totally. Drew is tatted out in the best way possible. And I know Morgan had a question about (laughs) body modification.
0: Yeah. I mean, Drew looks like to be a work of art. Um, Thank you. And um, tattoos are always like super interesting, I think to anyone just because there's so many meanings that go behind it. And there's so many reasons why someone would get like a tattoo or go through body modification. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about like the history of how you got into tattooing and um, body modification and what it is about tattoos and body modification that people find so interesting in your eyes.
2: So, I guess one thing that stuck out to me about what you said, um, just in regards to like, you know, what's special about tattoos to me, I know you worded it just a bit differently. Um, but I have a very ironic conversation with a lot of my clients. I work in a very high volume setting. Uh, long story short, um, working at this shop where we run these specials and we're right next to, you know, the university of Texas. So I'm doing things with piercings and body modification that I never thought humanly possible. Like, you know, 10 to 12 piercings a day over a 10 hour span would normally be something for a piercer to celebrate. Then I start working here. I come in on a Sunday during this day that we run the specials prior to being hired there. And there's a line out the door. I go to the only person that I know in Austin, Texas. It's my buddy, Darren. And he's got this big list. And this is prior to us being paperless. And it's just like nose, nose X2, nipple X2, nipple X2, dermal anchor, blah, blah, blah. Just (laughs) an endless list. <laughs> oh, <sorry. No. laughs> we love the double okay. yeah. yeah. ballet service. So this is typically the time when they start barking. Shut up! Sorry, he's blind and deaf, uh, so he doesn't know that I'm talking.
1: Oh <laughs> no! That's yeah. so sad. What are their names?
2: the road a long time ago. The vet said he was between two and eight, so oh. I left with no game. Oh my god! He had some <laughs> body modification himself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Honestly, he has. He could probably use some. But yeah, um, I'm like, is this a list of things that you're doing right now in regards to this endless list of piercings? Like, so yeah, just call off the list, you know, first come first serve. And I'm like, I've never seen anything. This is like a assembly line. Right. Wow. So I'm like, I need to speak to your manager. And I talked <laughs> to him. I was like, I need. I'm, I'm Drew. I just moved here. Like, I want to be here. Long yeah. story short, that ended up working out. So. Every Sunday, I'll normally, you know, have about between probably 60 to 100 procedures over like an 11-hour period.
1: Wow. And these
2: might not be, you know, 60 to 80 to 100 different people, but in essence, it's relatively close to that depending on how many one person's getting.
0: Right. So that's a uh, place to be. Um, what's the difference between a piercing and a procedure, would you say?
2: Oh, procedure is just my fancy way of saying it. Oh, all right. Sounds
0: nice. <laughs> I wasn't sure if like, I don't know, anything that took longer than just like an ear piercing was a procedure or, you know.
2: Sometimes people need things removed. Like sometimes someone will show up and be like, I need to get my nose ring removed. And I'm like, what nose ring? And they're like, it grew into my nose like six months ago and I did nothing about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're going to have to map out a whole way for me to like scalpel your nose open and pull that thing out.
1: What's the most, like, intense thing that somebody's had done? Because I always say that, like, because there's such a stigma around body modification and tattoos, but, like, if we're all supposed to be in, a, like, a fucking free country, like, everybody should be able to do whatever they want. That's what a living in a free nation is. And I think that people who are really creative do treat their bodies like canvases to, like, paint over and, like, make their own artistic creation, but... What was something that you somebody came in and said, "I want this done," and you were like, "All right, I don't go fucking get it, but let's do it."
2: Well, there's like sort of a fine line I won't cross, only pertaining to safety. Mm -hmm. Like a few years ago, there was this image circulating around the internet. To this day, I still don't know if it was real or not, but it was like a butt crack piercing. It started like at the (laughs) the butt crack and ended up you know, I guess if you were a dude where the hair on your back would start a little bit and uh, I had a lot of people asking for that and I was just like, I'm sorry and I can They're like, well, why? I mean, I'm sure you can. And I'm like, well, in my mind's eye, just I don't see how in the world you're going to get this butt crack piercing without developing an infection from your, you know, wiping shit all over it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Literally. That I didn't do, but um i mean i guess what most people would consider intense would be you know some of the genital stuff i've had to you know do some large gauge piercings through scrotums without nicking anything besides the scrotum through like oh a pe- like a penis scrotum yeah yeah like yeah a-, a
0: legit scrotum yeah. oh my god
2: That, that, <laughs> that um I don't know. You know, after 10 years or so, you become a bit desensitized. Like if someone walked in and said, I'd like my scrotum pierced, I wouldn't be off put, but I mean, you know, it's not something that happens every day, but I'd be like, sure. It's actually a pretty simple procedure to do. Very, you
0: know, it's
2: pretty, not not a lot going on there. You just got to make sure you don't pierce their balls, their actual balls. Oh Uh, my God. So do you find that
0: there's, yeah. Do you find that there's some, um, like trendier piercings that come in, like in and out of trend? Like oh, yeah. a lot of people, yeah.
2: Speculate on them all the time. Because there's, so you know, with the high volume that I deal, I mean, even during the week, I deal with high volume. Not like right. 100 people a day, but, you know, 16 to 20 to 30. When we reopened after the lockdown, I don't know why, but I was doing 60 piercings a day. And I'm like, wow, I can't believe people are willing to put themselves at such risk. I mean, yeah. I have to provide for, a, you know, my daughter being a single father. I, like, I got to go to work. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, I would not be here in a tattoo shop. But anyway, um, I'm sorry. What what was the question again?
0: No, that was it. I was just yeah, curious about like good. friends and, you know, if there are more popular yeah. piercings. So that's
2: during- what I wanted to note on. Um, there will be days where it's like, when I remember when I first started working at this particular, shop everyone wanted their lip pierced twice in the corner mm-hmm. I knew that this was because little Lane had that at the time yeah um, double nostrils has been a big thing lately so mm-hmm. normally when I start seeing that trend I'll just ask my client like what celebrity has this right now and I can normally link it back to somebody one of the I, nipples became huge um, I mean they're always in and out but they're always there but yeah um, I found out that there was an image of like one of the Jenners circulating around where you could clearly see that she had her nipples pierced. yeah, and I didn't even bother asking questions
0: <laughs> You're like, everybody's gonna be in on Sunday. They're all gonna want their <laughs> nipples pierced. Here we go. Let the floodgates open.
2: I had more nipples than I was nostrils, which is really saying something because I. You know, I would say nostril would be the most common thing I do. That never really goes out of style. But I can definitely tell when there's some kind of other incentive or lack of a probably better word behind the you know why someone
1: or why so many people are getting one thing. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is like an industry that is art founded. Like it's all founded in creativity and art. And obviously, you're a creative person. And I find that you know people have specific shit show experiences that happen to them that make them lean into creativity. So what do you think really made you lean into creativity and specifically get into this kind of industry?
2: Well, I, uh, you know, believe it or not, when I was in third grade, I grew up in New Jersey. All my friends were Italian. I, my best friends were like um, Vinnie Lombard and Blaise Gasparri, who both had their left ear pierced with a little gold stud and had a little gold crucifix that I wasn't allowed to wear because my mom's Jewish and she'd kill me if I ever did. But I wanted to be just like them. So I begged and begged and begged to have my left ear pierced. And I went to the mall and I did it. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world, like some kind of crazy rite of passage. I'm like, look, I'm just like all my Italian friends. And, um, I, uh, I got into piercing because my first girlfriend ever, um, I was heavily into body modification and stretching ears and all this stuff. But this girl that I was dating was like, I'm just gonna order a bunch of supplies and start piercing people. So the school day would end and she would invite five people or five people would invite her over and she'd make a hundred bucks just doing a handful of piercings. And, you know, as like a 15 year old kid, I was like, wow, that was a really quick made- way to make a hundred bucks. Like, wow. And then one day she pierced this girl's septum, like the middle of her nose and it went in through the right part, but then it came out through the tip of her nose. And I saw this happening and I was like, And I just walked away because I was like, I don't even want to see the rest of this fail. That scared her away from piercing completely. Um, But I was kind of shadowing her, kept doing it. A friend of mine who was a real piercer was like, hey, I know you pierce people. So uh, I want to be an electrician. I don't want to leave this shop without a piercer. Would you like a formal apprenticeship? I was like, sure. And that was it. But... Yeah, my mom actually sent me a picture a few years ago. I had a project in third grade that was like a draw what you want to be when you grow up, and I drew myself as the um, like the person with the piercing gun and piercing could oh go. Oh my god! Wow!
0: So you manifested pretty- that completely,
2: big time. And yeah. I totally forgot, obviously, forgot about that as yeah. know, later. But yeah, I've uh, it's
0: something that I've always you found. And I um,
2: romanticized and.
0: Yep, exactly. Anthony and I talk about manifesting, romanticizing everything. So you're speaking the right language to the yeah, right people.
2: People look at it like this voodoo magic thing. It's like, nah. If you really, really, really think about, you know, it'll. That's what I try to instill in my daughter. I'm like, you'll get what you want if you want it. And you, think yeah. it. Wow.
0: Yeah. you think about it. Yeah. You
2: think about what's you know. And that's it's the a law
0: law of attraction.
2: Yeah, I believe in it. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um. So, would you? So you do piercings too? Correct. Mostly. I mean. I mean. uh, Tattoos.
2: Oh no! I don't do. Ta- I, I. You have. don't do tattoos. Do really, really bad tattoos, but I don't do it for a living.
0: Okay. All right. Very what inspired your
2: tattoos?
0: Yeah, I see one on the palm oh, yeah. of your hand, and like a as a cube.
2: Yeah, I did that. Um, I thought it'd be cool to have a cube on my hand. That was yeah. awful. That I was. I, everybody told me the palm was terribly painful, and I was like, it can't be any more painful than your throat tattooed and this little tattoo was like probably a lot worse and wow then it started to make sense to me i'm like this is your sensory area this is where you like need
1: to have sensitivity oh yeah you get the giant like i I got the smallest paper cut my finger yesterday i thought i needed to go to the hospital
2: (laughs) (laughs) once you're sitting there and pain in your hand you're like yeah this makes a lot more sense now that i'm but you know you had asked uh originally I, I, I think yeah something along the lines of that, like the maybe something behind the inspiration behind my tattoos yes, yes. tattoos and to be completely honest with you, and this also shocks a lot of my clients um, because you know a lot of these tattoo TV shows have kind of like led people to believe that there has to be some kind of big long, happy or sob story behind a tattoo. And when people are like, what's that eagle on your neck mean? I'm like, oh, I, I've always thought eagle tattoos were really badass.
0: Yeah. Right. As simple it. as that.
2: Yes. Yeah. So a lot of it's yeah. decorative. Um, the smallest, simplest ones are the ones that are special to me. Like I have my daughter's name on my sideburn. And uh, I have a really poorly done mom tattoo that I got on Mother's Day that she got really mad at me about. She's like, "What's that for you? Like you suck. And I was like, no, I love you.
1: I love you though.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I guess the tiny
2: ones mean a lot to me. In
0: your eyes, where do you think, you know, this is uh, alluding back to what Anthony said before, that there's some sort of stigma around uh, body modification and tattoos. Where do you think that that came from? And do you think that there's a way out of it?
2: Um, probably from like your typical American dream, 1950, uh, you know, perfect little life, white picket fence. I mean, people that got tattoos were like really gnarly people. They were like sailors and, you know, really rough people or like freak show people. Like, you know, not, well, relatively not so long ago someone like me could absolutely have applied to work for a freak show or a circus. Look at the man with all of the tattoos. There were all kinds of those, but that's where they went. That's what they did. I saw
1: that in like the sixties in in Florida, I think it was Jupiter, Florida. They had this freak show and there was like a a tattooed guy as a freak. I was like, all right, well like try going to Brooklyn. Like, like I guess you could get free admittance.
2: Yeah, and and, you know, now that you mentioned it, I'm pretty sure tattooing was illegal um, in New York up until about the 70s or 80s, which is pretty pretty interesting.
0: Oh, no way. Yeah,
2: it was, uh, you know, rough people got tattooed, real rough people without a ton of a future. Um, How we broke away from that, you know, there's a lot of pioneers in the industry, um, like Bowery Stan and crazy Philadelphia Eddie. I don't know exactly what these guys did, but my old boss worked under um, Philadelphia Eddie. And uh, he said he really pioneered making tattoos a little bit more mainstreamed, which was like not so much on purpose, but you know, instead of, I mean, cause there's one point you go into a tattoo shop and there's just a wall and there's some sparrows and anchors and this and that. And they all actually meant something, like a little bird right here meant that you had spent X amount of miles or years or knots or whatever it is on the sea. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these tattoos were for like very specific people for very specific reasons. And I think it wasn't until a tattoo artist was like, let's make a sheet of just like hearts and mom and this and that. And memorial tattoos were a big one. And then all of a sudden, you don't have to be a sailor. And then all of a sudden, someone walks into a shop and they're like, I like that, but maybe we could do a different name. Or It yeah. just kind of slowly evolved from a very, like, pick it and stick it. Here's 10 designs. That's how it was. it was. 10 designs on a sheet and you pick that's one. Wrong.
0: That's and so that's- interesting because I feel like with sailors and um- – people who, who were getting tattoos back in like, you know, the 50s, like you were saying, um, they almost wore it like a badge of honor. And I feel like, you know, with their profession and now I feel like people wear their tattoos like, you know, for recreation as badges of honor too, just in a different way. Like Anthony has a couple of tattoos that I know he's proud of and they, they mean something different. Um, and yeah. something special to him and to him, I mean, I'm guessing they're like badges of honor, at least well, that's I, how think I look we need at them. To break like
1: the stigma too of like, and I thought that was interesting that you said that drew, because it really is like an art form. It's just an art form that you wear on your body. And like, I write music, like I write poems it's not like there's some giant story behind all of them. And I feel like you police yourself when you get a lot of tattoos and you're like, well, this one means this, and this is why I got it. Like when I write a right. song, it's not like why it just happens. Like right. you just, it just yeah. happens sometimes.
2: So it's so multifaceted. There's so many different reasons. I mean, yeah, that someone can get tattooed. I mean, there's days where I've even just been approached by a friend of mine at the shop and he's like, I really want to tattoo this. And I'm like, I'll do that. I'd, I'd like that. Yeah, it's very simple as that. Or it could be something, you know, for a loved one, or you know, yeah. It, it's such, such such a spectrum. At one point, it certainly was not. Um, right. Yeah. I I, uh, I find it interesting, like the shocked look on people's faces when they're like, "Yeah, and, you know," or I'm just like, "Yeah, I love Eagles," and they're like looking at me like I should continue. And I'm like, yeah. "That's just." <laughs> Now, what do you
1: say to, like, the asshole people who are like, oh, like, because I get people have said it to me, and I have, like, the tiniest freaking tattoos. They're like, well, what do you think you're going to look like when you get older and you have all these tattoos? You just want to, like, punch them in the face. Like, what do you say to somebody like that?
2: You know, the only people that have really said that to me were, like, my family members when I was younger and had just started doing that. You don't get a lot of questions. It's like that in a tattoo shop normally when people come in a tattoo shop they're trembling
0: so mm-hmm.
2: like i don't know if it's that they're nervous about what they're about to do to themselves or having me do to them or an abrasive uh atmosphere that they might be expecting But I don't really deal with questions like that so much. Um,
1: That's good to know. So it is being broken, that stigma a bit.
2: Oh, and you know, that's another thing. Living in Austin, Texas is really nice because nobody turns their head at me. I go back (laughs) to Philly, I go to Cherry Hill Mall, and it's like, damn, he tied it up. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you nailed it. (laughs) Like, it's so So, interesting.
2: Really talks about I mean everybody here I mean there's even people that'll come in and out of town like one of my shops on I-35 and that's like an enormous like one of the biggest spans of highway in the country Mm -hmm. so some people will just stop in they're like yeah well we're in Austin so we're gonna you know getting our tattoos while we're here we always do that every time we come here and so it's uh you know it's like the tattoo and piercing place, which is cool. And it's lucrative and fun for me, but I also find it like just slightly corny sometimes. And I'm like, you just, I don't know. I looked at a body, a body modification when I first started doing it, whether it's a piercing or tattoo or whatever it may be, it was a really sacred thing to me. It was really special to me. And I had my ears stretched really big, which my mom hated. Uh, But I was like, to me, this is just a symbol of how hard I worked to modify my body this much, you know, right. like I was able to do this. Right. And, um, yeah, I, uh, it, it definitely, when I got into it, 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 I feel like it meant a lot more to me. And now that I, uh, have been in it for 10 years, I feel like I've almost watered, it's become a bit watered down to me
0: mm-hmm. a little.
2: I look at it more like, yeah, it's a tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm piercing you know i wonder if it
0: was just when you got in you were so new and like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and now there's more of like the business aspect to it um but yeah. also, I mean, I was looking at your, your Instagram and I was looking at some of the molds and toys that you have on there, which were like so cool because Anthony and I are both into like pop art and like very yeah. um, like campy styles and stuff like that. So I saw a lot of the artwork on there and I just wanted to know what your inspiration was behind a lot of the like satanic, anti-religion, religious pieces, everything like that. They're very cool.
2: So, you know... That it's a tough one for me to like give a real hardcore honest answer. Well, I can give you an honest answer. You can I've get as morbid as you want. Of, we like we love do that. I wanna like blackball myself and have religious people hate me? But you know, to be completely honest with you, I um I grew up in a household that was half Jewish and half Catholic. Predominantly, my mom was like, you're not bringing the Catholic shit in my house to my dad. Um, so they kind of like canceled, they kind of canceled each other out a little bit. We did the Hanukkah and the Christmas, but we didn't go too deep into Jesus or God. Um, but yeah, um, fast forward to me, uh, being a young adult or Late teenager, I'd I'd probably consider it more so. I had a, um, I was just you know being a kid, and I was like selling a little bit of weed out of my apartment. And this kid Eric that I went to preschool with, I went to a Jewish preschool. Um, He came over one day, and you know everybody at one point becomes aware of the stories of like the priests that do terrible things to kids and. I never loved that. And I was like, that's so strange that like a man of God could could do that too. Like, you know, it didn't click in my head as to why they could do that to a kid. He comes over and he's like, yo, did you hear about Rabbi Newlander? And I'm like, who's Rabbi Newlander? And he's like, he was our the guy who ran our preschool or the synagogue that our preschool was hosted in. I was like, yeah, I know, yeah, okay. I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't remember his face, but yeah. And he's like, yeah, he had his wife killed. Um, and they ended up killing his son, too, by accident. And he's rotten what? and dead. I was like, wow, that's awful. Oh. And apparently, as a rabbi, you're not allowed to um, denounce. You're not allowed to divorce. You 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 have to denounce from the temple. So somewhere in this guy's head, he was like, well, I hate my wife anyway. So... I'll have her killed and I'll continue to be able to be a man of God in the synagogue. Obviously it didn't work out for him. And when that happened, something really clicked. And I was like, if you're, if you're, don't get me wrong. And I should probably put a disclaimer on this. I know and love, you know, great Christians and Jews and Muslims and whatever they may be. But I feel like you dive too deep into your religion, like too deep, and you develop a bro- broken moral compass because mm-hmm. you have totally you have Jesus Christ and people, you know. And I respect people who try to live Christ like, but you have these pimps. Yeah, not these pimps. Um, <laughs>
1: you know, Another conversation.
2: Yeah. Pinky rings and the jewelry, and then they're doing stuff to kids, and you know, and then you have. I mean, without going too deep into it, you have all of your stereotypical extremists in every religion. The only thing I can really connect to all of those is that they're extreme about their religion. And it causes a lot of pain and a lot of death and a lot of, you know, like in the dark ages and Someone's like, oh, you know, you can't leave the ham out because the ham will get this bacteria. And people are like, you're ridiculous. And you're like, okay, well, if you don't believe me, I'll go up to this mountain and I'll carve in a stone that God said you had to be
1: kosher. And they're like, oh, my God, he was right. And-
0: wow. Yeah. Totally.
1: And like every religion comes back to like the central idea. And this is what I really liked about your work. that it, The way that I interpreted it was because it kind of looked like, um, what's her name? Mother Teresa. Um, and there was the upside down cross and Mm -hmm. i just i was like that's it's literally what i've been trying to say to people during especially during this political climate because what every religion comes back to whether you're muslim or catholic or jewish or whatever the main moral compass is supposed to be love thy neighbor like that's just supposed to be it at the end of the day but all we seem to hear from these religious things are are is like hatred and bigotry being weaponized in the name of religion and it's like how ironic it's like Mother Teresa, she did all these amazing things. Like that's exactly what it's supposed to be. And it's like, she's upheld in so many people's homes or like the Virgin Mary, where they just like so cavalierly are like bigots or like excuse pedophilia. And it's just like nuts to me because it's like that's yeah. supposed to be your moral compass and it's just not.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, for example, you could strike up an argument about someone with that um, and get punched in the face for oh, years. No and then all of a sudden that love thy neighbor thing flies right out the window over essentially blind faith yep you know right. so god forbid you know no pun intended that you, you you even strike up a conversation like this with certain very religious people and you're demonized over it mm-hmm. and it's you know just like almost going back to the dark age like you know if they found you with a cut or a wound that was real serious and you were trying to remedy it with herbs you're there you're in trouble you're a witch it's right. like if you're not going to fix it and don't bother like that then it's supposed to be this way and it, it's just a means of control and like i said i, I think it was a, per, a pretty good one for like a barbaric society that thinks well there's got to be some kind of you know like and i'm not saying there's not i wouldn't consider myself like a total atheist i just i don't um I feel like organized religion was a almost like a political means of controlling mm-hmm. before a lot of other things were proven so now that we're in the age of information i find it silly and kind of sad that we uh we, we live in a time where we have all these resources and tools and we throw them to the back and you know without getting into politics too much it's like you can tell that some of these people have these ideologies about certain politicians i mean I guess I'll just say it. It's like some like real far right Trump supporters are like, "That's like our Jesus, and we'll follow him no matter what he does." It's exactly. Like, well, why would you do that? It's like, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you follow him into the dark if that's where he was taking you? But yeah, it's this. Right. It's ingrained in us, and you're ingrained to believe that there's this merciless God that's going to send you to hell. Or but but at the same time, they're very merciful, and and just so long as you say sorry and repent and they'll like forget play you. by their
0: rules then you're fine but it's like those rules are double, so
2: skewed, Yeah. It's like a, what's the word i'm looking for double-edged
0: sword i think maybe.
2: hypocritical, hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're gonna go to hell but you won't go to hell he's merciful but he's merciful. it's just like which you gotta pick, pick a lane it's an oxymoron yeah
0: you're it's damned like, if you do yeah, you you That's
2: the word, that that'd be a good way to put it but yeah, yeah. it's all real real dumb to me and um yeah, a lot of my toys are definitely um, inspired by my feelings about that. Because uh, I think it's kind of like a cute and funny and dark way to, I don't know, maybe maybe make people pay attention to it mm-hmm. or maybe just express myself. I, I'd, I'd say more than anything. Because I can go on Facebook and write about this stuff and get an art in arguments all day. But I love art. I love art toys. I don't really have any... Um, inspiration so much behind my sacrilegious toys I think it's really just more I want to make toys I want to make art but but what do I what am I passionate about right
0: like what message do you want to get across and I feel like that's what a lot of artists do they try to find a good way of expressing themselves while also finding a a message that a lot of their you know fans followers um will resonate with too yes and I like
2: to leave it somewhat interpretive not all yeah. the time, though. Sometimes I like to make it specific. I mean, even the um, the Virgin Piss Mary, as I call her. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, that was the, was that the one that I saw?
2: Yes, yeah. I think I have her right here. Yeah, she's in a little urinalysis cup. Yeah, that's uh, so
0: Oh wild. my god.
2: Actually inspired. This is one of the only pieces of art I've made that was inspired by someone with similar ideology. Um, there was an and, or an artist named Andreas um, Serrano, and he did this. Um, There's like a photograph of a crucifix in what appears to just be like a weird yellowy orange lighting, and he was one of the first openly gay pop artists, um, and the right, far right, really didn't like him. Um, because that crucifix was only in this weird orangey yellow tinge because he put it in a mason jar and pissed in it over and over again until it was full. And then he got real close and started taking pictures. And when people found out what that was, he was like, exiled. And I was like, that's so cool. This is going to be an Andreas Serrano tribute piece. And this wasn't my, and this is not my first piss toy, but I was like, I'm certainly going to tribute him um, for that because I, I admire that. Now, did oh, you yeah. actually pee? Is it actually made of your pee? Oh, no. But you um, know, it would be interesting <laughs> if I could integrate my own urine into this. I don't know if that would sell or not, but um, I did consider maybe like filling the cups with some kind of yellow liquid just to add to the whole Hmm be on some presentation of it but when you go to the post office to send this stuff out they're like is there any like things hazardous or fragile and liquid, and I have to be like yeah all of them so <laughs> I, like,
1: well so i know of- your 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 stuff has been featured in stores and galleries in in austin texas chicago philadelphia and you have the online galleries gallery f and stormy vault um what would you say that your audience is primarily like if you were to create a sample size because i feel like this is interesting for every artist to do to be like who are the types of people that are consuming my work?
2: You know, ironically enough, and this kind of is cool to me, but also kind of insulting. I'd say the people who buy the most from me um, are people that are like, I just want to buy all the stuff before you blow up. And I'm like, (laughs) uh, Oh, I've heard, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's exciting. It's like big order, here you go. But then I'm like, do you really like it? Like, do you like it or are you buy Cause I mean, I do that as a consumer of art toys. It's like these things, these tech 63s, they're cool. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but they're not my favorite toy. Like these cause toys in the back were one of the, fr- and you know, I'm surrounded by art and I have been for so many years, but not until I saw actually this particular piece that I get punched in the gut by art. Um, I just separated with my kid's mom and I was living on some girl's couch and uh, I'm scrolling through Instagram and I had already been slightly collecting this stuff, but then I saw this and I didn't Mm -hmm. know the artist, but I was like, oh my God, like looks like real dead in the face. He's got these X eyes, but he's got his back arched real straight and he's carrying these crying kids, but he's like still moving Forward and yeah, it spoke to me louder than any tattoo or drawing or painting ever has.
0: Yeah, that kind of made me emotional <laughs> looking at that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, oh. it came real full circle because at the time, you know, going through a breakup and doing the custody stuff kind of bleeds you dry, and you don't have a lot of money, and you also kind of don't realize how much money you've been wasting when you're with someone and like paying for their nails and this and that. And anyway, long story short, a year later, I have money. I have a nice place, and I got to take my daughter, who I was very proud of at the time, because she was two, but she drove three and a half hours to Dallas with me just to see the actual 30-foot bronze installation at the museum of that particular piece. And then I brought one home from the museum. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: it went for me on a couch, like looking at that picture about the cry of that toy to me and my daughter admiring it we got a private viewing of it because it wasn't wheelchair accessible and it was actually closed but I bitched to everyone I'm like no you don't get I was like I just drove this two-year-old here and she was good in the car the whole time I didn't come here to the museum I came here to see that so they showed it to us privately and it was it's it, it means a lot to me that and I'd say comparatively to tattoos and other art it's like art toys mean a whole lot to me and um mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, in regards to this, I back to what I was saying, I can trail off. I'm sorry. Um, I started buying these little tech sixty threes because I noticed that um you could buy one for like 40 or 50 bucks. And once it was sold out, if it released at 12 p.m. and be sold out by 1201 p.m. And then all of a sudden this is worth like a couple hundred bucks. So sometimes I'll just buy an art toy because I'm like this is a good investment, you know? And so I'm like, Do people invest in my toys? That's cool that they think they're cool enough too. I think a lot of people think my reputation in the tattoo industry and some of the people I know, it's like some of my buddies are friends with some real, you know, famous people. Um, I think people are just like investing in my stuff. Although some of my toys, people have told me like, the story behind that and how that came to be is like, I need that. That is so crazy that you made that. And, uh, that means right. a lot. Me. I like hearing that a lot, but yeah, a lot of it yeah, came from. Of, oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I'd say that honestly, the majority of my toys either came from some kind of, childhood trauma or um, something I don't like about the world. Most of it is almost like some people like write a letter and burn it and that's therapeutic for them. And like, I'm gonna Mm -hmm. put this out there. And I really didn't intend on it, but I realized as I kept making toys and making toys that they're all pretty related to things that really hurt me as as a kid for the most part and they're all like kind of cute and kind of weird, but kind of dark, but I don't know, maybe, I'm sure if I talk to a therapist, they'd probably say, yeah, this is all a reflection of like your childhood trauma. And, you know, I've been, I, I wasn't such a great teenage to young adult. I was, it was a pretty, I had a pretty rough go, you know, that I can really only attribute to my own choices, but, um, yeah I, I i've been through a lot of therapy and intensive treatments and i i, I when i'm doing something i'm like okay i know what I, I i get where this is all coming from so yeah they all kind of have a bit of a
1: story for the most part can you give? go <coughs> oh, excuse me can you give us an example of uh one of the toys that has a traumatic story behind it yes um
2: I'd say, um, and as much as people probably wouldn't think so, um, Eric Sindros, I was really stoked on this. This is kind of what you'd consider a bootleg toy or a kit bash, some people would call it. I didn't sculpt the majority of this figure. I only put accents on it. Um, I was at a thrift store in Texas. I've had a a rocky relationship with my father pretty much my whole life. shitty dad, I'd say as a whole. Um, but I've given him a lot of chances and a lot of people are like, why do you do that? You know, like he's a shit bag. And I'm like, yeah, but he's my dad and I'm an adult and you know, blah, 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 blah. But, um, I was just trying to be, take the higher, be the bigger person, you know, I'm like, I don't care. I'll let it go. But, um, I'm in a thrift store, like a hoarder thrift store store like that you could barely like, you know, even you're squeezing between things and knocking things over. But I find a vintage Eric Lindros toy. Um, I guess this would be a better view of it. Um, And uh, it was from like 92 or 96, something like that in the 90s. But my dad, um, he was like, hey, I got a wedding to go to in Austin uh, and I can come out there. And I'm like, yeah, you could come out, stay with me, blah, blah, blah. And um, I was in this store and I was like, man, my dad would love that. He was such an Eric Lindros fan. Um, Lindros all the time. We ran into him one time at at the Berlin flea market in Jersey and he lost his mind. So I saw this and I was like, my dad will love this. He'll He'll think this is so cool anyway my dad gets here supposed to stay for a little while um and you know i wouldn't consider myself like a neat freak by any means it's like i can definitely leave dishes in the sink and sometimes i can kick my shoes off and leave them by the couch but like i'm not like a horrendous person i I, you wouldn't walk into my apartment and be like oh my god this what the fuck you know this is disgusting it's like right especially with my art collection i keep things really i don't like to walk into a home that looks bad i like everything to look really nice just just for my own sake um i barely even have anyone here i don't but anyway um i bought my daughter a like black bath bomb a few days prior and um She used it and rubbed it all over the walls of the tile and it, uh, it stained. And anyway, we're having a good time. My dad's here. We're laughing, we're eating. And uh, then I wake up and uh, my daughter, who's two at the time is like, where's Pappy? Where's Pappy? And I, uh, you know, I just rolled over in bed and I'm like looking at my phone. And, um, I keep hearing her like, where is he? So I get up and I'm like, dad. And uh, then I see the gifts I got him next to this note. And meanwhile, my kid's like looking under the beds for him. And it's just basically this note about how he couldn't bear to see me swear in front of my kid smoke in front of my kid by smoke he means like use this little jewel you know i don't take a big, huge cheers. bomber in front of my kid or anything like that cheers but um <laughs> yeah, you know your place is unlivable you have black mold in your bathtub and you know i just i can't stand to see you um be this way so i um i got a plane ticket early to leave and uh, i hope this really is like a kick in the ass for you to like be a better man and I was just like, you know, cause that's what my dad did, did as a kid. I woke up one day and I was like, mom, I love you. Where, where's dad? And she was like, he's gone. Wow. So, you know, when I saw my daughter looking under a bed for my kid or for my dad, I, I, I saw red. I was so, so, so angry that he could put that same feeling of like, oh, he's gone, like for good. Mm-hmm. Repeat offender. Straight to my daughter and, uh i uh that was it i was just like you know i'm i i'm not going to take the high road with such a piece of shit but anyway i took the toy um and i like sculpted these little horns on the toy and i like all this blood coming down the eyes and it was a really cool little figure i i saw or i gifted the original to a friend of mine but i you know had it molded and i reproduced it several times like in flyers colors and packaged it up in this like um you know header where he's all like bloody and weird and he's got all these like li- normally on a rookie card like for hockey you have a list of accomplishments on the back and these are all just a list of like really 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 terrible things that I love that's that's perfect
0: <laughs> that's so do- that's good
2: yeah it's like his birthday is just very very briefly after the crucifixion and
0: yeah
1: and i
2: and i like to a blowtorch and torched it and it says like warning fire hazard don't leave near a bible and uh yeah that's cool yeah i didn't do that i didn't make this because i don't like my dad but Mm -hmm. i did uh this this originally hurt me a lot to see sitting on my counter next to a note like while my kid's innocently looking for her grandfather under a bed So um, I'd say that would be a pretty good example of one. I'd probably say that would be my best example of one, aside from Ghost Dad. I made Ghost Dad, too. This might be kind of hard to see. Oh, I love it. I that. didn't really know what to sculpt one, and I was making something really simple. Um, it's just a little ghost with like an open mouth holding a little sleeping baby. And I like made like the bio like dedicated to all the dads that ghosted you. Dedicated to all the your dads that may be a ghost already, um, inspired by life's cruel hand, and also you know it made me think about me a lot because unfortunately I have these health issues. I have this super rare disease that I have stage three pulmonary sarcoidosis. I have some other weird health stuff going on, so. I think about my mortality a lot, which is another mm-hmm. reason I've so many of these toys. I'm like, I gotta, leave. I gotta make my mark. Like I can't wait mm-hmm. around. I mean, nobody can, you know, we're all slowly getting there, but right. um, yeah, I look at this toy sometimes and I, it makes me like almost a little upset. It just looks like a sad, lost dad holding a sleeping little baby that's sleeping and innocently sleeping and feeling safe in her. Dad's arms. Right. Yeah, it reminds me of shitty dads and good dads that are dead, and sometimes makes me think about me being a dead dad. Honestly, so. Wow. Yeah, this one too. Um, I'd say those would probably be the two that, that really, uh, for me at least. Sometimes I look at and it makes me feel like a certain way. Totally.
0: Yeah, I mean that's what art does. It makes you feel. Yeah, and, you know. Yeah, art toys
2: speak to me for some mm-hmm. reason it's like tattoos don't really so much to be honest um and that's what i found really interesting about that cause piece over there it's so simple those mm-hmm. cause figures are so simple just two arms two legs and x's in the eyes and the only thing that ever really changes about them is their posture but their posture speaks volumes to me um and i just found that so interesting when i got into this i'm like art's never really spoken to me until now like in, well, in yeah until I started seeing these things. Um, So yeah, that really inspired me to get into this is just how loudly it spoke to me. And then once I realized that I was capable of it, I, you know, law of attraction, I, I, man, I mean, it sounds cliche, but I'm like, this is like my blinders are on. I have this big art collection. This is all I care about. is all I want to do.
1: Wow. So yeah, I, mean, cool that, that I mean, how what a full circle thing going from yeah. manifesting to manifesting. And Morgan only yeah. talks about blinders a lot. Oh, yeah.
0: That's something that's passionate with me, blinders. I'm always um, going back and forth between whether it's good to have them on or off because it's a defense mechanism either way. And kind of give just like a little bit of a background. Like when I was younger, I believed to have like such blinders on where I was so naive and so trusting and had a one-track mind, but I accomplished so much until I started to get hurt and like a little more jaded and like really realized how shitty people can be. So I had to take the blinders off, but it made me see everything else and it distracted me from like my one-track mind. So what's better? Like, are you more protected knowing what, what goes on around you or are you more protected putting your blinders on and just going forward but not really knowing what's going on around you so i just think
1: the perfect way to compartmentalize that is to create art like drew does Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
1: the art
2: thing was definitely a healthy way for me to i know my at 29 i know how my brain works and i know it can really really do me an injustice to allow it to do whatever it pleases i i yeah i I, you know i went through the whole drug thing and not until i got older did i realize how very lucky i was to walk away from all that and i did a ton of self-work and i i mean that's the only reason i'm really sitting here in texas um so to speak is you know i at one day was like it's true i really have to change everything about my life to save my life or I'll right. die and everybody right. knows it and uh that's not why I'm in Texas but that's why I'm not there mm-hmm. um it's not because I have to stay away from my home but at the time I was like this isn't really about not doing drugs this is about reinventing my my life to make mm-hmm. a livable life for me but yeah at one point I did I had blinders on and it was just like get high get high get high get high and um that and that's how it was with piercing It was this pierce 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 make sure your boss right. do this that i've i have i and you know now you know that you say it it's like yeah is it healthy to have your blinders on i guess it depends on what's in your line of focus yeah and uh it's been a long time and i really didn't talk about the drug thing thing for a long time because i have a lot of people that are like they'll come in my shop and they interview and they're like yeah i'm actually six months sober which is not easy to do and i commend anyone who's doing that um but you know for me when i hear that when i hear someone talking to my uh, you know the owners of my business and and that's part of their resume is like i'm six months sober i immediately am like flight risk you're not You're in your infancy of not getting high. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
2: So I didn't really start talking about it until I had ten years of abstinence from my drugs of choice. Like not not until I could have this conversation and people could have the confidence that like this guy's not like a flip flopper and you know, go be you do heroin next year and then maybe clean up and then go back to rehab. I I know a lot of people like that. And I'm not hating on them because it's hard. It's it's hard. I mean, for me, I Mm -hmm. just took some of the best advice that I've ever gotten, which was be open to suggestion, which I was not the first go around. I was like, yeah, no, I'm definitely going home to my friends and blah, blah, blah. And then when I uh, messed up the second time, I was like, yeah, no, this is, I, I have to, I'm, go- I'm going to be open to suggestion. And that's what led me to where I'm at. But yeah, throughout those 10 years, I, I, I did learn how to, and there were bumps in the road, not like relapse bumps. But you know, depression bumps, and totally, you know, getting caught up in something you know worthless. I guess that might have been important to me at the time. But yeah, I mean, I if I'm not creating an art toy, I'm shopping for them. I'm, I'm you know, I'm I'm looking at other toys for inspiration. I'll even buy some toys to make bootlegs out of. I guess. Long story short, bootlegging a toy is almost what I did here. Okay. You, or well, you like it and you alter it a little bit and then you put a funny theme on it and you have a bootleg and it's kind of like pirating. And I guess in a sense, it's kind of illegal, but that's kind of the cool part. It's like, ah, fuck you. Like-
0: <laughs> yeah. So, it's like yeah, making it, like- it your own too. Well, it just, it sounds like, and again, like I'm not a therapist, I'm not an expert in this at all. Um, But it just sounds like you filled your, your void in such a healthy way Yes, and completely flipped it on its head where it was, you know... An addiction to something so unhealthy for you and you know your loved ones and now it's a celebration of the things you can create and you just chasing 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 the new creation the new artists uh, new concepts and stuff like that which i think is absolutely amazing like i don't know it makes me smile <laughs>
2: Really- yeah, it, it means a lot to me, you know, to, to have that recognized and, you know, even beyond the whole just being in the art, it's 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 me, Um, you know, a big part of this is me, because my daughter knows that I'm sick, unfortunately, there's days where I've, I've had, there's been days where I have to explain it. I'm like, your dad, your daddy's dealing with this, and it sucks, and it hurts to talk about, but on the flip side of that, I feel like I have this moral obligation to continue this no matter what, because I'm like, my daughter knows that things have never been totally easy for me. She's never known me any other way. I got diagnosed when she was three months old, which is really difficult for me. Um, and, uh, you know, her, I don't want to say anything bad about her mother. She has a great mother, beautiful, great mother. But she was uh, military, and I think she's more of like a, a realist in some sense. She's an artist herself, a great one. But um, I feel like... I feel like, I guess I'm the influence. That's like, you can grow up and do whatever you want and you don't have to pick this safe road and whatever you decide to do just so long as you're pa- very passionate about it, I- I'll support it. Cause you know, I, any good idea in my opinion comes with a lot of doubt and naysayers. And normally it's from people that care about you that don't want to see you flop. But um, this is just kind of my way of being like, yeah, I'm about to be 30 and I like playing with toys and making toys. And she tells me all the time, and this is my greatest validation of what I'm doing is she says, daddy, I am so proud that you were in a band and you, you made those CDs and I'm so proud of you for making toys. (laughs) I'm like, you can do that too. Like you, you can do it like anything you want to do. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of me leading by example, too. I'm like, you can be a grown up and you don't have to lose your inner inner child, which I also learned a lot about in rehab is how important your inner child is, Mm -hmm. which I thought was absolutely ridiculous the day they sat us down and had us do art therapy and we had to draw these pictures and then something, I don't want to break any anonymity here, but an old man drew this picture and I was like well it was just a stick figure holding another little stick figure's hand and i was like i just got here i don't really know you but like it it shows a lot that you drawing this you must love your son so much and he's like i don't have a son i couldn't have a son and he was Uh, old and i was like oh my god
0: yeah Uh,
2: yeah i guess i realized how powerful it can be to sit down and do this stuff mm -hmm. i mean this was just a block of clay that I couldn't think of what to do. So I just was like rolling it into a cylinder and put eyes in it. And then I sculpted a little baby on there and I was like,
0: oh wow, you didn't realize you were going to do that. And then so the I had no
2: intention of this. In making this right. at all, until it started to come into a shape. And then I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. yeah it's really interesting how that stuff works. I thought yeah. it was, ridiculous at
0: first no it is interesting because i feel like um, a lot of people think that artists have this concept and then they create it but like i feel like more often than not they realize in the process they're creating something that they didn't even realize that they were like thinking about or so what comes first like the chicken or the egg the concept or you know the finished project or is it the finished project and then with it is like oh my god i didn't even think that it was going to turn into this amazing multifaceted concept I, i love it awesome
1: drew where can people find you on instagram and where can they shop for your art
2: so um on instagram um my art page in particular is called plagued earth productions which really stemmed from me starting to really make these toys in total isolation during a real deal plague i thought that would be fun to work on Um, so yeah plagued earth or i guess at plagued earth productions on instagram um and my main account is drew baby um the word baby has three y's that's just you know drew baby three y's at the end Drew
0: baby (laughs) yeah that was a (laughs)
2: name i made up for myself when instagram started i wanted to have a name that was reminiscent of a like little girl's aol screen name yeah yeah (laughs) yeah, the name instagram was going to be that serious but it was so Drew Baby became what everybody called, me. but I kind of like it. It's almost like how like a big, super tough dude gets called like his nickname's Tiny or something. Yeah, yeah, oh, it's yeah. It's campy. Yeah. It's very campy. Love it. And I wasn't always so nice and sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, Drew Baby with three wives. The Plague Earth Productions. I'd say those are definitely my main uh, media outlets. And I don't really mess around. I mean, Facebook's kind of like yeah, there's Facebook sucks. People. Yeah it's disgusting. All you have to do is post one little blue heart emoji and you'll have 264 comments about your, you know, just snowflaker, like blah blah blah.
0: <laughs> it. I don't I, do know, right?
2: I never really got into Twitter. Um and I do have a website. It's a, it's a big cartel page for my stuff. And this is a really unprofessional move on my part, but it's plaguedearthproductions.bigcartel.com, but I spelled plagued wrong, and I don't know <laughs> if I can change it. So instead of, um, I guess, it, is this backwards? Yeah. Nope. It's not?
0: No, I can yeah, we can I see it.
2: Yeah, it's That's
0: plug. No, I have
2: link in bio, link in bio, link in bio everywhere, so...
1: People, people get there either way. Honestly, it goes back to the tattoo thing. They're like, oh, what's the meaning of the, the misspelling? No, there's no it's meaning. It's just I, an accident. It just yeah. happened.
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> so good, Anne. The shit show. <laughs> yeah, that was a shit show.